Did you know that TR Historical is the only online retailer of my merch? That's right. You can go over there, and I have stickers and buttons. Sooner or later, we might put some more stuff up on there. But Dave Boussier over there, owner-operator of TR Historical, has been a great friend of mine since I met him at an air show. We hit it off immediately, and we decided that we had to work together. On top of that, they have so much other stuff there as far as history swag on trhistorical.com. You're going to love it. I've ordered several shirts off of there, and there's some great stuff. I mean, if you want history swag, you got to check it out. So go over on trhistorical.com. Give them some love. Let Dave know I sent you. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Tattooed Historian Show. My name is John. I am the Tattooed Historian, and I'm really appreciative of everyone listening in over the previous weeks and months to the programming. The podcast has been a really awesome thing for me to do, and I'll explain why in detail a little bit later. And I wanted to bring you an episode where we discuss podcasting and voice in general. Uh, It's something that I've long dreamed of having. And in reality, it was a dream where I had this thought, this process in my mind of how I was going to get on the radio. Uh, I wanted to be on the radio as far as like a a kind of a, a talk kind of show, like you hear the sports talk shows and stuff like that. But I wanted to talk about history and preservation and all this stuff. And for years, I had thought about it as, uh, that's where I was heading and I was going to try to pitch it to a local radio station or, or build my own kind of online radio station kind of thing. And finally, you know, I, I kind of decided that that was, you know, not going to be feasible. And about that time was when podcasting was starting to become in its infancy. And I would say that I was thinking about this about 10 years ago or so. Uh, as far as a radio show uh, slash talk show about history and preservation and everything like that, before I really decided that I was going to get into podcasting in some form or fashion in the coming years. Maybe you are thinking about doing the same thing, or maybe the organization you work for is thinking about having its own podcast for its historical society or for the museum, for the archive, whatever it may be. Voice is hot right now. Uh, If you ask someone five years ago if they listened to a podcast, you might get a yes answer from one out of ten people. Now, when you ask people, it has jumped dramatically. Maybe six out of ten do now. And that's because of a number of factors. One, accessibility. Podcasts are everywhere right now. You don't have to have a special app to get your podcast. You can find it on your music apps now, such as Spotify or iTunes or Amazon Music, wherever you're hearing this podcast, there's other things on there for you to get involved with and listen to. So the accessibility factor has increased over the last five years or so. Secondly, it's become easier to do a podcast, and that changes year to year. 
it seems like every calendar year something new comes out that makes it even easier to uh, record and edit and get a podcast out to the masses, distribute a podcast. It's never been easier than it is right now to build a podcast, to edit it, and to get it out to the people. So if you've been thinking about this for a while, now's the time to seriously put into motion a plan to build, edit, and distribute your podcast idea. And we'll go over that today in the show. Uh, Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you'll subscribe, uh, like, and share this podcast with your friends, uh, co-workers, peers, whoever's into history. Maybe they'll get something out of it. I know a lot of you had some great feedback from last week's podcast where we just discussed branding in general. Just a general overview of branding and doing it via social media and other digital methods. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, please do. Uh, let me know what you thought of it. Uh, we've been getting some really, really great feedback from that one. And I know it helped multiple people, and that's what it means for me. Uh, I love to help people out and help them to understand that they can be a historian in different ways than we ever could have been historians years and years ago. We have everything we need at our fingertips. And we're going to go over that again today in a different format. So podcasting, why podcasting? Why is this the new thing? Well, as I said earlier, you know, accessibility is huge. And people love to hear other people's opinions and interpretations of history. So we're naturally curious. If we're into history, we've always been naturally curious. We've always been interested in learning and discussing and growing as historians, as well as people, as well as citizens. So this is why podcasts in the history realm have just sprouted up in the last couple of years. Uh, It's just a natural kind of progression of the field. I often say I'm surprised it hasn't gotten bigger faster, um, especially when it comes to organizations such as museums and nonprofits. But we'll go over that here in a few minutes. Uh, I think it's easier now, as I said earlier, than ever before to do this. You only need a couple steps to get started, and we'll go over those right now. Uh, When I started doing uh, podcasting, it was still kind of a thing where people had like switchboards and stuff like that going on. They had had all these different apparatus sitting around a room, and it took up a large amount of space, in my opinion. You know, people had a six-foot table, and they'd have switchboards, and they would have wires coming out of every place to to come in here and to produce a podcast. And, uh, you know, that was, again, this progression of the technology. So looking back three or four years ago, uh, when I first really started to dive into how to build a podcast, it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of switchboards, microphones, and all this stuff that needed to be purchased to even get started. And and then you had to get editing software, and then you had to find the place to distribute it. And it was clunky, and it was rough, and it was hard on a lot of people, and it scared a lot of people off originally. If you were one of those who got scared a few years back, uh, look into it now, and here's why. Uh, The process has been streamlined. So here's my setup when I do a podcast and I have a lot of time to set up and do a podcast. 
everything that I need to do a podcast, I can fit into a backpack. Everything. Uh, this is my large setup now. I'll, have, I'll talk to you later in this podcast about the small setup and still a good setup. But my large quote-unquote setup fits into a large backpack. Uh, I have a Zoom H6 recorder, and uh, this thing has four outlets on it where you can plug microphones in, such as the one I'm talking into right now. Uh, And it has an SD card slot, and man, this thing is a lifesaver. I have the H6, which is, I believe, still the latest model that Zoom has come out with. It's kind of like the Cadillac uh, of the Zoom products. Uh, this this little device, if you ever seen any of my live events that I do at like the Gary Owen Irish Pub, uh, I have this there, and it's actually an audio interface as well, which means I could plug microphones into it, take one wire out and plug it into a speaker, and now we have live audio in-house, as well as on the live stream, which some of you may have watched over the years. Uh, So this is my baby, the Zoom H6 has been a lifesaver for me on a number of occasions. Uh, it's a workhorse. It has these, like I said, it has uh, ways you can plug in four separate microphones uh, so we can have a, a, a round table of discussion going on. And man, the, the quality is just outstanding. And anytime I talk to an organization about buying podcasting equipment and they have a great uh, a budget to do so, and when I say great, I mean hundreds and hundreds of dollars, Uh, for everything. Uh, I tell them, take a couple hundred bucks and buy this Zoom H6, because if you're doing a live event, it's it's all you need. Um, And if you're doing a podcast, it's all you need. Uh, I'm not paid by Zoom. I'm not, you know, pushing it. I'm just telling you what I have, what my hardware is. And I've been very, very impressed with the Zoom H6. And it has been a lifesaver on a number of occasions. The mic that I uh, utilize is an Audio-Technica mic. These mics run about 70 bucks a pop. And I have four of them just in case of a round table discussion or anything like that. I invested in them early because I had done some research and found that Audio-Technica had some great stuff. And you can tell by the sound in this microphone, it has some great deep, rich uh, sounds to it. And uh, I really, really love this mic, and uh, it's been a, a great asset to my recording equipment. And uh, again, I have four of those. I also went out and I bought just, bought, uh, just uh, four $20 mics that are handheld mics. And uh, you may have seen those on previous things as well. They're the ones I use at live events where you'll see me on live stream, uh, sitting down with someone doing an interview, and we're holding a microphone. They're only like $20 mics, uh, but they, they do the work and they do a great job, and uh, and I utilize that. But getting on the podcast and swinging back towards that, uh, I love these really what I call a hot mic, a mic where you have to be right on top of it to um, enunciate and to be heard and stuff like that because you may have kids at home or you may have pets or something else going on, a phone rings, uh, downstairs or whatever it may be, you don't want that to really show up on your recording. Uh, so uh, it's good to have a nice mic to be putting out there. Uh, now, before COVID, I made my podcast a little bit different 
because I had uh, the Gary Owen Irish Pub. I asked them if I could utilize the upstairs bar when no one was there. And uh, so you'd have some background noise going on. You had the bar sound in the background and it made a nice ambient noise. But since COVID has happened, that hasn't taken place. Uh, I hope to revive that someday when I go to Canada, uh, you know, befriend uh, a nice pub uh, in London and uh, we do some live events, but also I get to record there once in a while to get that nice ambient noise in the background because I think having it very quiet like it is right now uh, sometimes can be a turnoff for some people. I like it to be authentic and raw and and capture a little bit of, of life itself. Uh, so you'll, you'll want to think about that when you're building a podcast. What kind of environment do you want to set? Uh, do you want it to be laid back? Do you want it to be um, uh, kind of like, you know, a, a, a lab setting or a, 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 a radio room, you know, uh, where it's all soundproof and uh, a radio studio, if you will, uh, where it's all soundproof and you don't get any outside noise? Do you want it to be raw, like you're sitting in a pub, or do you want it to be like you're sitting at home and traffic is driving by? Uh, that's what you have to think about for yourself, and I don't want you to think about what other people do. What do you want to do? This is your podcast. This is your voice project. Think about it, and think about the environment that you want to set for your listeners. I want to give special uh advice to anyone who works in marketing for a museum, a historical home, historic site. Man, if you want to get your message out, podcasting is the way to go. You should podcast. You should have a podcast for your museum. Interview different employees. Have employee spotlight segments. Tell people what events are coming up. Do stuff for your museum, you know, that is marketing 101. It's cheaper than putting out full-page ads in the paper or putting out, uh, you know, uh, mailers or anything like that. With social media and podcasting, you can market to the world, and it's cheaper than ever to do that. So let's say you get all this stuff set up. Let's say you get a, for an example, you get my device here, this, this Zoom recording device. You get an Audio-Technica mic, and you start recording. And you record whatever you want to talk about. And you get it onto your SD card, and it's saved on there. Now you got to put it on a computer. Well, you have to edit the sound. And maybe you want to add a couple music tracks, and you can find royalty-free music online pretty easily. So royalty-free music is music that you can use without copyright infringement issues. Uh, you don't want to get involved in copyright infringement um, they, they look after that stuff. You don't want to put the latest song from your favorite artist without that artist and the record label telling you you're allowed to do that. You want to find royalty free music and just look it up on Google. You can find downloadable, uh, MP3s of that music and you can upload it into your, into your editing software. When I first started out, I started doing editing of all this stuff in audacity it's a free system, a free software module where you can place all of your files, all your voice files on there and create good quality edits and final products. Um, the system for me personally was a little bit clunky. Uh, it had its positives and negatives. 
but uh, it was free. Uh, so you get what you pay for, right? And uh, it worked for a time, uh, but I, I went on to purchase Adobe Audition, which is a, a monthly fee for me, but it's only like 20 bucks. And um, I can edit a 45-minute podcast in less than 10 minutes. And it is just nice. I'm not uh, one of these guys who can do Photoshop or anything like that, but I can do Audition. Adobe Audition is easy, drag and drop, place it in there, uh, uh, check your your you know your sound and make sure everything is nice and fluid, and then and then copy it, run it onto your OneDrive or Google Drive or whatever you have, and then upload it. So Adobe Audition has been a lifesaver for me. Again, Adobe didn't pay me to say that. Uh, I'm just telling you what I have and what I use. I'm giving away my trade secrets, so to speak, because there's enough pie for everyone out there. Uh, so, yeah, you can go Audacity and you can go the free route, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, you're going to need a little bit more patience because sometimes it can be clunky. Or you can do the uh, the paid route and go Adobe, uh, Adobe Audition. It's kind of hard to say. And uh, you'll have your editing done pretty quickly, and you'll be out the door and, and on to the next thing in life. So let's say you have that done. You've uploaded everything. You've edited it on the platform you choose to edit on. Uh, now you have this finished file. So now what do we do with it? Well, there's one major way that I work with this. Uh, you have to find an RSS feed. And an RSS feed is uh, technically an RDF site summary, or the way I like to say it, a really simple syndication. You have to get your podcast syndicated so it's uploadable. It turns into an MP4 after you're done editing everything, and now you got to get it up on the Internet. How do you get it up on the web without an RSS feed? You can't. You have to get an RSS feed. So I have been using Libsyn since I began this project. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N. I signed up for Libsyn, and uh, it, it does have a small fee with it attached to it, uh, but you can upload uh, tons and tons of MP4 uh, megabytes onto there. And when you sign up for Libsyn, you get your own RSS feed, which means you get your own channel. Basically, think of it that way. This is my channel. When I upload to it, it goes onto my channel. And when that RSS feed is set up on something like Libsyn, um, that goes to all the major podcasting networks. So as soon as I have something up on my RSS feed, it goes up on Spotify. It goes up on iTunes. It goes up on Amazon Music and all these other podcasting platforms at one time. So you are basically paying to have your podcast be placed up on the internet and up on these different apps. Uh, it's the nature of the beast if you want to do it the old school way. Like I like to do it because uh, I'll tell you the other one that's free and it provides you an RSS feed uh, here in a bit. But this one is one that I really enjoy doing. And even though it's a little bit of money out of my pocket, uh, it's never fallen short for me. I've always had good luck with it. I've always had great programming. The sound quality is fantastic. The upload quality is fantastic. And it gets out to the masses in a very short period of time. It can be put up immediately. Uh, I tend to schedule mine out. Uh, but you can put it up immediately and it's out there and being distributed 
uh, almost immediately. So you grab that RSS feed from something like Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N. That's what I use. Uh, there are a host of other uh, products that do the same thing. You can just look up like RSS feed host, uh, hosting software, something like that. And you'll be able to get a good idea of who's out there and providing these interfaces for podcasting. And that would be it. You'd be done uh, with that. So it's basically recording, editing on whatever platform you choose, uh, where it's a free platform or whether it's a, a, a paid like Adobe, and then uploading it to an RSS feed uh, that you have set up. And you check off the boxes for Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, whatever else. And boom, you are online now. You have your own history radio show, just like I had always dreamed of. And uh, it's a hell of a lot of fun to do that. Now, as I say, this model that I just talked to you about is several years old. Uh, when I first started, this was the high-tech way of doing it. This was the, uh, uh, the Cadillac way of doing it. Now something has come out which makes it even easier for you to podcast. And if you guys listen to my Amazon device briefings, uh, this is the RSS feed that I use for that and the way I record that. And the app is called Anchor, just like a boat anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. Go look it up. You can look up Anchor. Again, not paying me to say this. I'm just telling you what I use. And Anchor is a totally free service. Anchor is on your PC, and it's an app on your phone. Now, here's the great thing about Anchor. If you're just starting out and you just want to get your voice out there and let people hear what you have to say about a certain topic, go with Anchor to start and see how you like it. Try out podcasting that way first. Maybe you're not going to like podcasting. Maybe you like video better. And then you can just switch nice and easy instead of buying hundreds of dollars worth of equipment. But with Anchor, when you put it on your phone, the speaker that's already in your phone that you talk through to talk to somebody now becomes a podcast microphone. And then all you have to do is hit record on the Anchor app. You hit the record button in the Anchor app, and boom, you are recording. And you just talk into your phone like you're talking to someone, you know, anywhere in the world. And you just start talking. Uh, and it's just been really great. They've been uh, upgrading the system. You can take calls on it. You can do all kinds of stuff with it. But it's totally free. So this is a great way to get started. This is why I say there's no reason why any kind of a historical site a museum or whoever it may be can't say, well, we don't have the budget for that. You already have a phone. Someone needs to download Anchor. A marketing director, uh, whoever's uh, you know doing digital marketing or anything like that, download the app, take 10 minutes a day or 10 minutes a week and make a podcast for the Historical Society. Make a podcast for the museum. And your podcast can be talking about what's new a new display, a new exhibit, our next event, things like that. There is no reason why you can't do that. And Anchor not only records the podcast, it disseminates the podcast out. So you get an RSS feed through Anchor. You don't have to worry about Libsyn now and paying the fee for Libsyn. You can do it for free on Anchor. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. 
So some of you are going to say, well, well, John, why do you pay for Libsyn uh, and Adobe Audition when there are free ways to do it? It's a great question. One, I, t- I said earlier, Adobe Audition has been great for me for editing. I pay the $20 for the insurance policy of I know I can edit pretty freely on there and get it done quickly. The RSS feed is a separate issue. I like to have a separate RSS feed for two separate things I work on. I have a Libsyn RSS feed, or channel if you will, for this podcast. And that gets disseminated out in a certain way. If you listen to my Amazon device briefings in the mornings, or every day, they get posted in the morning, but if you listen to them every day where I do my two-minute little spiel about history or self-awareness or whatever it may be, the Tattoo Historian's flash briefings, those are done on Anchor, and it's a separate RSS feed. So that RSS feed only goes to the Amazon device. The Libsyn feed goes to Amazon Music, which is separate, and it goes to uh, Spotify, iTunes, and all the podcast platforms. So I have two RSS feeds in my life. I didn't want to mix up my Libsyn with that, and I definitely didn't want to mix up my Anchor uh, either. So I pay for the extra uh, RSS feeds simply because I want to make sure they're separate. But you guys can do, use the free RSS feed through Anchor and do exactly what I'm doing now through Libsyn. And you do it for free. Come on. There's no reason why you can't get involved right now. You have an idea for a podcast and you like um, the sound of your voice, do it. I hated the sound of my voice when I started this. Hated it. I couldn't stand editing because I had to listen to myself. But you get used to it. You get used to it enough where you're like, oh, I'll edit this. I'll get this done. I'll get this out. So it's just getting over that initial hump, right, of being uncomfortable with your voice and getting it out there. Sooner or later, you're going to feel like you're on the radio. And uh, from a guy who always wanted to be on the radio, I don't know why it always fascinated me, but it just did. Um, I always wanted to have that history show where I talked about history, where I brought people on to talk about history. And here we are. Podcasting allows you to have your own radio station. Think of it that way. And you can talk about anything you want. Um, it, it, the sky is the limit. And I would really, really say to any historian who's out there trying to brand themselves, this is one way to do that to reach a new audience. Because uh, I'm happy when I get 200 downloads of each one of these. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I get... 200 downloads a day on some of these. It's, it's fascinating to watch the numbers go up, and I'm really appreciative of that. And you can watch the data, and you can see where people are downloading it from and understand where your audience is coming from, and then read into that and then make it part of your branding on social media. Well, my listeners are mainly from these states in America or these provinces in Canada, uh... And you can pinpoint those in new things to upload to your social media account and weave it all together, understanding that you can do so much with podcasting. You can highlight your work. You can highlight the work of your uh, career 
of, of where you work. You can highlight that. You can bring in experts in something like I've done. You know, I bring people on who know a lot more about a topic than I do. You can bring in other historians and just have a chat show. You can do so much with this. The sky's the limit. But I'll give you a word of advice. Don't listen to other podcasts and try to emulate what they're doing. Do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy. Because if you go through this and you try to act like someone else, you're not being true to yourself, are you? You're putting on a guise. Someone's going to appreciate the way you bring across the past. The style that you bring it across with. I'm telling you. You know, it's it's one of those things where I personally, and, and some of my friends who have podcasts may not like to hear this, I personally uh, rarely listen to other history podcasts because I don't want to subliminally take something in and be like, huh, that's a great idea six months from now. That's a great idea. I want to try this. Not realizing that I heard that kind of a segment six or eight months ago and filed it away. I like to just come up with stuff on my own. And and uh, I like to bring on people who have podcasts. You know, that's my way of marketing them. It's one thing for me to download it and listen to it. Uh, but that's just one download. But if I can bring you on and say, hey, these people have a podcast as well. And what do you talk about on there and all this other stuff? And you get out to 300 people in a day or 200 people in a day. Well, that's better than my one download. So I intend to help people in that regard. Uh, I think that's one of the main things with this is sharing each other's vision, understanding that your vision is going to be different than someone else's, but sharing it in a different way and trying to understand that everyone does history differently. Doesn't mean you do bad history or doesn't mean anything like that. It means you can do good history, but your voice is unique. The way you bring it across is unique. So why not embrace that in a new medium? If you don't like how you look on video, try audio. Uh, I, I was not uh, someone who was initially uh, pretty wild and crazy about getting up and doing a live stream. Now I do them all the time, you know, because I'm used to it. When the light goes on, it's time to party. And that's how I feel about recording. That's how I feel about podcasting. Guys, literally, right now, I have no notes in front of me, and I've gone on for 29 minutes about this project and about this process. I'm not a note guy. I'm not a script guy, and that could drive some of you crazy. Some of you are going to want scripts and notes, and God bless you, (laughs) because I wish I could read, interpret, and remember a script, but my brain does not work that way. My brain works like an improv comedian. I just hit the button and we play. And that's it. Um, So you have to do it your way. You know, 90% of you would not sit down here with me and do this podcast because it's off the cuff and that would make you feel uncomfortable. And I totally understand that. So when you do your podcast or you do your flash briefing, have a script written out. Read off of it. Do it. Have fun. I like to be in the moment. I like to see where the conversation takes us. 
And that's why sometimes when I talk with uh, historians, we go off on something else for a little while because that's where the conversation led us to go. It's natural. I like doing that on a live stream, and I like doing that in a podcast. And some of you have reached out and said that you like that as well because it's more of a natural conversation. It's not scripted. You don't hear me reading off of a script all the questions in a certain order so we can keep going and get in under a time. It's just chatting and talking and, and back and forth about a subject or a series of subjects. That's why I love podcasting or live stream interviewing someone because you don't know what direction this is going to go in. This could get fun. It could get awkward, but it could also be really, really fun. And I love that sense of surprise. I love also seeing historians who aren't used to that, getting a little out of their element, but being comfortable with it. Uh, I got the greatest email, one of the greatest emails I've ever received uh, a little over a month ago. It was right after I interviewed Harold Holzer. uh, And, you know, it was one of those things where I told him after I spoke with him and Pete Carmichael, I said, you know, I would love to chat with you about your new book that's coming out because we didn't get a chance to go over that. If you would like to ever come back on, please let me know. Thinking that, you know, he would say, that's, uh, you know, thank you for the invitation and we'll get back to you at a later time. No, he took me up on it. And we had a great discussion, as some of you may have seen on the on the live stream. And it was totally unscripted. It was just Harold Holzer and I chatting, talking about this and talking about his new book and uh, the presidents versus the press. And uh, we were talking about presidential history. We were talking about press history uh, and back and forth and taking comments from the the chat, which I love to do. I love to see people interacting with the speaker through the chat. And we did it and we loved it and, and we signed off. And I believe it was the next day uh, I opened up my email, and there's an email from Harold Holzer. And uh, he he said uh, in the email about how much he enjoyed it, and he loves having conversations with me, and, and it's just, you know, laid back and so forth. And then he posted on a Facebook comment. I believe it was in uh, the comments section of the video, or I reshared the video, something to that effect of him and I on the live stream. And he wrote that uh, as far as a host, and I'm paraphrasing, as far as a host, I'm a, I'm one of the great greatest conversationalists out there uh, because I, I just have a laid back thing with, my, with the people who come on. Uh, he said, I'm a great conversationalist. Now, coming from someone like Harold Holzer, uh, who doesn't have to say that, that is huge to me because he has spoken with some of the best, with national, you know, reporters, journalists, and all that stuff. And to, and to hear him say that about me was huge because I would not expect to be put on the same level as someone who works for NBC News and is a journalist. But I like to be thought of as a conversationalist more than, you know, uh, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, I just want to have a conversation with people in the history field. This podcast has allowed me to do that. 
the live streams have been another step in that process. But the interviews which I started through podcasting went into the interviews that I did with live streaming and I do with live streaming. So it's just a natural progression of what I'm doing. Maybe you'll do the opposite way. Maybe you'll start live streaming and you'll decide, oh, I want to go into podcasting now and move that way. It's your flow. Whatever you want to flow with, however the waves take you, you just go. You enjoy the ride. You know, uh, if you want, there's no fault in trying it. You know the reason that some of you don't want to try? I'll tell you exactly why some of you don't want to try. You're afraid of trying because you're afraid of judgment. You're afraid of what people are going to say. They're going to say, oh, your sound's not good. Oh, I don't like your voice. Oh, at A, B, C, D, E, and go down the list. Don't be afraid of other people's judgment. Be afraid of letting yourself down. Let me repeat that. Don't be afraid of other people's judgment. Be afraid of letting yourself down. Regret is a hell of a thing. And if you are even considering that podcast, if you're even considering that live stream, going off topic here with podcasting, but a live stream, that blog, that trip to that historical site that you've been meaning to go on, do it. Don't worry about the judgment of other people because the people who are going to hate on you are the people who don't want to do it themselves. Or they themselves can't bring themselves to do what you are doing. And feel sorry for them in that way. Because you don't want to be stuck. You want to move forward as a historian, as a person, as a citizen. As an artist, as you know, someone who collabs with people. Whatever it may be. You want to keep moving. And when you're moving, you know you're going to hear this kind of stuff in the background. It doesn't matter. What matters is what you think. Do you think you're doing a good job? Keep doing it. Do you think you need to do better? Then do better. Google it. Find out what you can do to make your stream better. Find out what you can do to make your sound better. It's all on Google. It's all on YouTube. I taught myself all this stuff about podcasting by watching YouTube. YouTube videos, six hours a day. And yeah, that's a hell of a long time. I understand that. But I only had to do that like twice. And then it was in my head. Because I have to see by watching. You have to show me. And then I'll, I'll understand it. I am the Missouri of historians. Show me what I need to do. And I will do it. I can't read it in a manual. I have to do that. I can read history and interpret it, but when we get into technical stuff, you have to show me how to edit. You have to show me how to get an RSS feed. That kind of stuff. But don't be afraid to try. That's with anything in life. You're always going to have people who are going to be naysayers. You're always going to have people who nitpick at you. That's life itself. But those people are the ones who are too scared to try and they're jealous that you've done it. And we should feel a little sorry for them. You know, don't listen to that negative. 
Keep moving. Keep moving. Be yourself. Make that podcast you've always wanted to make. Make that flash briefing on Amazon you've always wanted to make. Be in someone's ear literally when they are driving, when they're working out, when they're getting up in the morning. Your words could brighten someone's day. Your words could teach someone something they never even considered before. That's power. The good power. Not the bad egotistical power. Embrace that. Understand you're bringing someone value. It's not just about you and hearing your voice, literally. It's about bringing someone else value. That is when you know you should podcast. And that's what I'm going to leave you with. Think about all this going forward. You you know, now is the best time to start. You know, if you have it in your mind, that spark is in there. Let that spark light. Add a little oxygen to it. Start a fire. And start moving. Start moving forward. Start thinking about the next one and the next one and the next one. Because for some of us, it helps us to keep having a project, something to work on, to stop thinking about the COVID thing, to stop thinking about an addiction, to stop thinking about previous abuse we may have had in our lives, or whatever it may be. The most artistic people I've ever met are people who were either addicts or they were victims of abuse. Uh, They may have uh, serious ADHD issues. Wow, are they some of the best artists and interpreters I know? Because they have to do that for therapy. You know, that's like our therapy, and I'm speaking for myself too. Um, Without this project... I don't know where I'd be. I definitely wouldn't be going to Western University and getting my PhD. Definitely not. So maybe this project that's been nagging you is your therapy in some way, in a very small way or maybe even a very large way. Think of how important it will be to you spiritually, internally, you know, in your heart. And think about how important it will be to someone else in their mind. That's beautiful. And that's why I, I love doing what I do. Because I know that I can reach one person. My job is done for that day. You know, if I can have one person say, wow, that's really cool. Or wow, I never thought of that. Or hey, thanks for that advice that you said last week. That's so gratifying. And it can't be turned into ego. It's about helping others to get through, especially during these trying times. So maybe you can lend your voice literally to that. Okay? Now, I hope that you will get out there And no matter what project it is that you've had on your mind, whether it's sketching that new landscape, starting that podcast, going out and and taking photos of that cemetery, 
going out and, and starting whatever it may be. I hope that you have the desire to just do it. Turn I should into I will. There's no more, you know, I should do this. No, I will do this. You'll be better for it. You'll have less regrets. Go out there and have fun. And I hope that you stay safe and happy during these times. And I will talk to you very soon. Take care, everybody.